Welcome back to The Insatiable Appetite. I'm Davy McHenry, Vice President of Consulting Services, and I'm here with Shelly Belanco, Senior Vice President of Business Development. And we're here today to talk about how the current lived reality in the COVID-19 pandemic is likely to shape future demand in the food and beverage industry. Hi, Davy. It's great to be back on the podcast with you. Shelly, there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has had a dramatic impact on how we live, eat, and work, as well as what we value. And while many of us are longing for a return to life as normal, but as the pandemic endures, the question really becomes, what will that normal look like? That is, which of these changes to consumer attitudes and behaviors will be permanent, which will become tales of folklore, and ultimately, what will be the lasting impacts on the food industry? Yes, that does seem to be the question of the day for many of our clients. As you know, Davey, one of my favorite proprietary tools is our Future of Food Scenario Planning Workshop. We've long been studying consumer culture, and our proprietary cultural analysis breaks down the key macro trends driving meaningful and long-lasting shifts in consumer attitudes and behaviors, from things like demographic and household shifts in the U.S. population to a redefinition of food quality and the rise of conscious consumption. When an event of this magnitude occurs, especially on the global scale that we're seeing now, it upends and reverberates throughout these forces. So when trying to dissect the impact on the food industry, we think a good starting point is, has there been an acceleration, deceleration, and or a change in the trajectory of these macro trends? I like that, Shelley. Breaking down the big Herculean problem into smaller, more manageable pieces as it may be. And I know when we have started having these discussions internally, Something we kept returning to is how the unique properties of the virus itself, the delayed onset of symptoms, the high risk of of contagion, and those unknown factors of infectiousness that has really driven the need for social distancing and government interventions such as stay-at-home orders. And that makes this crisis like something we've never seen before. I mean, really, who could have imagined something that could have the share of food and drink bought at the grocery stores returning to the levels last seen in the mid-90s? And personally speaking, I really cannot think of anything else that would make me stay at home every day with my two sons and attempt to balance work, their homeschool, and apparently their perceptions of me as a short order cook. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you on that one, Davey. I've got two demanding eaters at home myself. Um, Yeah, we have seen consumers reevaluate their values and daily priorities, really in light of a baseline need for security, you know, protecting themselves and their loved ones from the immediate danger of contracting coronavirus. And this has led to some pretty dramatic shifts in behavior, as you mentioned, from shopping fewer stores to shifting purchases online. And at the same time, we're seeing consumers balancing other priorities, such as securing both their short and long-term physical health by prioritizing certain nutritional needs or quality cues in their food and beverage, like organic. We also see consumers balancing the need to be a supportive community member by trying to patronize local restaurants with pickup and takeout. Yeah, you know, we're, we have a lot of those trade-offs in our own home, and consumer habits are definitely evolving as we navigate this uncharted territory and face new daily challenges in our daily lives. And as we've discussed, that dynamic nature of the crisis itself really means that these behaviors and attitudes will continue transforming well beyond the point at which social distancing measures are relaxed. And as our analysts talk to consumers and we watch their behavior, We've seen some indicators of the environment today that is likely to impact the existing macro drivers that we've long been discussing. For example, issues around availability and accessibility have really forced consumers to branch out from their routine categories and their favorite brands. And we've seen a much reported comeback of big food, whether or not we believe that is going to be something to stay. 
and trade-offs between quality, practicality, and price have resulted in increased relevance of shelf-stable and frozen options. But fresh food is still a top priority. Yeah, that's true. Um, And we are seeing consumers employ distinct strategies to balance their desire for fresh and the need for long-lasting such as buying you know, fresh and organic in specific categories and seeking quality cues that speak to fresh and less processed when purchasing in frozen and shelf-stable formats. And behaviors such as these reveal a lot about the lasting power of our core cultural values during this time and the consumer environment emerging from the COVID-19 pandemic, plus the likely recession to follow. Now we've talked a lot about the things we know and the things we're seeing, but unfortunately there's still a lot that we don't know. Which brings me to another key piece of our scenario planning process. Those key uncertainties that are likely to have a fundamental impact on how the future unfolds post-virus. Shelley, what do you think are some of those key areas of uncertainty that we need to be considering as we think through the impacts on the food industry? Well, Davey, there is indeed a lot that we don't know. While we've always included some key uncertainties in the scenario planning process, for example, evolving consumer attitudes and behaviors and the adaptability of different players in the marketplace to respond to consumer demand in the next three or five years, the pandemic has really piled on yet another layer of uncertainty. You know, first related to the pathology of the epidemic itself and what will happen as restrictions begin to lift, and then to the impact to the U.S. and larger global economy. So Shelley, given all that we don't know, how do you believe organizations best plan for the future? You know, our colleagues Lori Demerit and Tamara Barnett touched on one important strategic implication last week on the podcast regarding the need for innovation. But during this time, what are some other things you think companies should be thinking about? Great question, Davey. This is where the scenario planning comes in. It's taking what we know, what we don't know, and coming up with hypotheses about what could happen and the resulting consumer environment that companies will need to operate within. Once we're armed with the likely scenarios, the next step is to consider what it all actually means. You know, what are the biggest threats and opportunities the scenario presents? What do companies need to do differently to thrive or even just survive in the environment that's presented by the scenario? For example, in a scenario where consumer demand for products that meet their core values of health and wellness and the greater good is actually accelerated, but the U.S. enters a recession and household budgets contract, How does a company balance their strategy to deliver both on consumer values and value? Now, that is a really great question, Shelley. But I think we're out of time, so we'll need to leave that question to one of our colleagues to answer in a future episode. Saved by the bell, as they say. Thank you, Shelley, for joining me today for a great discussion. And thanks to all of you listeners for joining us today as well. Please stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you back here for another episode of The Insatiable Appetite. Bye now. Thanks, everyone. Bye.